You are listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza, and I'm here today talking about something that is near and dear to my heart. Many topics on this show uh, are definitely near and dear to my heart, but this one in particular, because I've struggled with this personally, and I see so many people struggle with this idea that if you are a spiritual seeker, if you are a spiritual being, if your goal or mission in life is to be aligned with your spirit, then somehow being prosperous and abundant is mutually exclusive. And I'm here today to tell you that they are not. In fact, I've brought an expert on the show to teach you exactly how they are not. I hope you guys pick up her book and you love this show as much as I loved it. Ellen Grace O'Brien is the author of The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. She's also the director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, in San Jose, California. Ellen is an esteemed yoga teacher, a radio host, and an award-winning poet who weaves poetry into her teachings on spiritual matters, pointing to the mystical experience beyond words and thought. And she's teaching us today how those two concepts of spiritual and abundant are not mutually exclusive. And in fact, they are your divine right. Her book is amazing. I hope you guys pick up a copy and more so, I hope you love and enjoy the show. And hey, if you know someone who's struggling with this concept, pass this show on to them. I think they'll really get a lot from it and definitely pick up the jewel of abundance. Ellen, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on She Rises today. Thank you, Giovanna. It's a delight to be here with you and your listeners. Absolutely. You know, I was telling you just before we hit record that when I was contacted by your publisher, um, given a copy of your book, just even reading the title, I was excited already. And I was a hell yes to have you on the show. The book is called The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. And that was right up my alley, being that I'm a yogi. And like many of us and many of our listeners, um, we're interested in prosperity. And, you know, a lot of us in the you know, spiritual world will often do a little bit of a bypass around prosperity and the concept of abundance. And I was so, so intrigued to have you come on the show and share a little bit about your story and and also the wisdom from the book. So welcome again. And yeah, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about how it is that you got to this concept and, and the book. Well, I think um, I think you're right in that you know so many of us uh, on the spiritual path in life, whatever that path is, you know we uh, are following our soul yearning um, to awaken spiritually, 
And at the same time, we, we, we have an innate urge to prosper. It's natural to us, but we don't really know how to connect that, you know, because we've had a lot of, um, you know, press in, in, you know, from ancient times, even that those two don't go together, you know, that spirituality and prosperity are at odds with one another. Um, but yoga, you know, is about union. It's about um, body, mind, spirit um, as one. And it's about living a spiritually conscious life. And in in a sense, you know, healing that split. So uh, I was really interested in that, you know, how do we live our whole life? How do we live our full life and not divide it up? Which, you know, at the core, that's what yoga is about. So then as I began um, teaching yoga, I noticed that that was a, a real problem for people. You know, they were still dividing it up. Like their spiritual life was, you know, when they meditated or when they went to their spiritual center. But then work life and money and career um, was something else. Um, and so when you dive into the ancient uh, wisdom of yoga, the ancient scriptures, you actually find in there some powerful guidance about how to live a spiritually conscious Conscious, prosperous life, and not only how to do it, but the imperative that we're actually supposed to do it. So it's really exciting. I love that you brought that in. I remember years back, I read um, The Science of Getting Rich uh, by Wallace Waddles. And in the mm -hmm. book, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says, you know, God wants you to be rich. And I was just coming from, I'm, I always joke and say I'm a recovering Catholic. I mean, Catholicism has its beauty and I know that religious dogma has been part of this you know training and imprinting about abundance and when I read that book and I read that sentence that God wants you to be rich I was like what really mm. um it was such a paradigm shift for me and um the body mind spirit like sometimes we take that so literally but the body is is the material right is the material world and there is a union there so i i love how you i love that you shared that beautiful yeah and i think you know um learning how to prosper is the key um it was um bold of me sort of radical really um to to write a book about spirituality and prosperity absolutely um, <laughs> that's why know, i wanted you on <laughs> yeah people think oh those are one they're either not supposed to go together or people um conflate them in a way that um is not exactly healthy you know that that somehow um, we're supposed to uh, get rich, and that's a mark of our spiritual evolution. But when we look at uh, our or our worthiness, right? Um, but but this is really a much bigger picture about what wealth is. You know, we don't we don't have to look far to to see that wealth is not just material goods. That it's really it's our health, it's our relationships, it's our creative energy. You know, all of that is our wealth. But when we look in the yoga tradition, what we find is that wealth is intended to be the instrument for fulfilling your purpose in life, and that's where it gets really juicy that's where it gets really good I love that Let, let's just dive right into the juiciness then shall we sure <laughs> yeah let's dive in there and could you say a little bit more about that 
Well, um, this goal to prosper in life in in the Vedic teachings is um, part of what is called the Purush Artas. And uh, as a Sanskrit word, um, you don't have to know that in order to prosper, but it's nice because it means for the sake of the soul. And so there are these four universal aims of life that are said to be for the sake of the soul. You know, that means to to live a spiritually conscious life where the soul can thrive. And um, the first goal is to live with higher purpose, dharma, you know, to do what we're here to do, to make our contribution to life. And the second goal is actually wealth or um, what is called arta, which means wealth or abundance. Abundance. Um, and then the third goal, um, it starts even getting better. The third goal is pleasure, comma, um, to enjoy life. And can you believe this is a spiritual program? <laughs> this is yes, so great. I love it already. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fourth goal is uh, moksha or uh, enlightenment, liberation in this lifetime. So um, the the thing about these four goals is that they are all tied together. And so that's what I was sort of pointing to in my uh, opening remarks with you is that wealth is not seen for its own sake. It's seen in harmony with these other goals of life. It's there to serve. It's, it's there to support us being able to fulfill our higher purpose in life, um, which also has to do with cooperating with the infinite. You know, it's not, we're not looked at as a little, you know, ego, <laughs> little egos running around We're we're looked at as expressions of the infinite ultimate divine and we're here to serve that we're here to you know fulfill our greater potential and to contribute um, to contribute to the greater good and so in terms of writing this radical book about prosperity not only for me was it about healing the split in our individual lives but also you know, in our world, because this split, the so-called split between the material and the spiritual, I think is behind um, the way the, that we see the earth, you know, as uh, material, you know, as resources that we can use rather than as sacred. And um, it, that's a problem. And it's one for us to get over. And we have this disparity of uh, wealth in our world, that um, we, we also want to be looking at it in a in a higher way. So I have those really big goals with this work. Yeah, I love those goals. I love how you're, you know, marrying the two together or remarrying rather, because they've always been married. I love that it's universal principle it's it's in the most ancient of wisdom and I you know of course I always take the stance on this side of the microphone and say well what about people that are listening and what would they say and and I think about you know people that are right now maybe currently struggling they're struggling to actually marry the two to actually you know break that dogma within themselves that if I'm spiritual and I'm you know, doing this inner work and working towards this, then, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, A, A equals, A plus B equals C, right? I can't then also be prosperous and wealthy because there's something ungodly or unspiritual about that. What are some ways that we can start to practically dismantle that thought system within ourselves? I think um, the principal thing is understanding um, the role of wealth, and as I mentioned, you know, to 
to support and serve um, dharma. You know, dharma is um, the foundation for it all. Dharma means uh, support. Dharma means divine order. It, it means a thing, you know, being what it is, its nature. And so, you know, wealth is, is meant to be seen as the necessary resources that we gather to express our our higher purpose and that split you know in in mind that that it's not okay to thrive or prosper means that in a way you know we're saying to ourselves um i'm i'm not um it's not okay to fulfill my potential when everything in nature is inclined to fulfill its potential and for us as human beings fulfilling that potential is waking up to the spiritual truth of our being and doing what is ours to do in harmony with the infinite. So we're, you know, I call this the prosperity imperative. You know, we are always being nudged to thrive. So we need to learn how to do it. So first is understanding that wealth is to support dharma, is to support living with higher purpose. And then, you know, secondly, is really coming to a better understanding of wealth not being limited to simply material goods. I mean, we really know that, but we just kind of forget about it. And and um, so it's understanding that the greatest wealth is really soul wealth. And in the book, I, I tell uh, stories about people who, you know, I I have known who um, exemplify for me what thriving looks like. And I talk about um, experiences with two women, uh, Dolores Huerta, who was a co-founder with Cesar Chavez of the uh, farm worker movement in the U.S., and Ila Gandhi and her, uh, the granddaughter of Mahatma Gandhi, and her struggles um, during the apartheid era in South Africa. Both of those women um, understood, you know, in a sense, wealth as spiritual resources. So um, those resources within us, you know, that that allow us to do what we're here to do is really uh, our true wealth. Yeah, I love that. Re redefining wealth for yourself and then what wealth is just as the greater meaning of that. And I, I love that you connected it to your dharma or your life purpose. And I mean, probably the, the you know, million, if not billion dollar question that I hear a lot from people who are maybe struggling, whether it's, you know, with wealth, prosperity, or even just feeling a, a sense of lack of fulfillment in their life is this um, idea that I'm, I can't find my purpose. I don't know what that is. You know, I, I'm looking for it. I've I talked to a lot of women who are seekers, just like I've been and, and, and am, and they're always looking for that golden nugget. And I find that sometimes it's, it's closer than we think. Um, mm -hmm. And what would you say to someone that's struggling with that, with that question of what is my purpose? What is my dharma? Mm -hmm. One of them, that's such a good question, because I know it, it comes up. And um, I, I do talk about this in the book, and used to have an exercise, you know, for looking at that. But I see that the main obstacle is that people are thinking of dharma or life purpose as vocation. And um, it, it comes from, you know, very early age of, you know, sort of what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? And we, we children start thinking about that. Well, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an engineer. Um, I want to be a singer. But 
but really our dharma unfolds uh, from our own nature itself you know the, the within all of us are these divine capacities divine potentials you know for for compassion for creativity um all of these are divine qualities within us and if we look back you know into our childhood we can see um those qualities that were sort of in uh you know seed form but they were there you know so you know some children you you can really see that quality of compassion you know they're always uh, you know supporting little animals right or the creativity you know they're performing a magic show you know there's just there's this, these qualities and so when we look at what our purpose is i think it's so um helpful to understand our purpose as the flowering of these divine capacities in other words you're you're going to um become in fullness, that which you have always been in potential. And vocation is not your dharma. Vocation is the is a vehicle for expressing those divine qualities. So, you know, jobs come and jobs go, and they change a lot, and especially in today's um, uh, economy, you know, people are changing jobs. So you, you don't want to equate your purpose with your job. You, you want to understand you know, purpose as this blossoming of your um, divine self, really, and those qualities within within your own being. I, if we were on video right now, you would see the giant <laughs> smile on my face. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you separated those two. Um, and that it isn't about your vocation. It's not, you could be a, you know, you could be a, a garbage man or woman. You could be a mail carrier. You could be a professor. It's not related to what you do to earn money in this world or even what you feel or call as your vocation in this world, but rather rather that cultivation of those um, divine, beautiful pieces of yourself. I, I adore that. I adore that. Um yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that, um, you know, there is the piece where we want our work um, to be a harmonious vehicle, right. you know, for those qualities. So that's part of the search, too. We just don't want to think of our our purpose as being defined by, by vocation. We're going to turn it around and understand that our vocation, whatever that is, you know, can be uh, an avenue for expressing that higher purpose. But in and of itself, it's not the higher purpose. Love, yeah, I love that clarification. Um, having that sort of uh, desire for those two things to be aligned, of course, is I think it's what people, when they, especially the women that I work with, when they're craving that, I think that is essentially what the craving is. It's it's to align those two things. And But I, I think it was so perfect what you said that often we we discount these ways in which even in very, as very young children in our youth, that those attributes are showing themselves to us. So we, mm-hmm. we're almost looking in the wrong place, but there is that essential desire to sort of marry, marry the two. Yes, and really, you know, this um, spiritual path, spiritual life is all about learning how to look in the right place and in the right way, <laughs> um, meaning, you know, developing this skill of what I would call self-referral with a capital S, 
um, you know, learning how to access our own innate wisdom. And that was one of the questions I had so early on when I came to the spiritual path. I wanted to know how, how I could know what was true, you know, what was right. How, how could I more predictably um, access my own wisdom instead of, you know, always looking outside of myself, um, looking in a book or looking to a teacher or looking, you know, someplace else to, to find out, to figure out, you know, what was right for me. I really wanted to know, how can I know that for myself? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that struck me, um, obviously the the title of your book, The Jewel of Abundance, but in particular, the subtitle, right? Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. I thought I had this giant invisible question mark pop up in my head. And there was a part of it that was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. It's ancient wisdom. And then there was this real like, you know, piece that I was like, I, I really want to know what that is. So can you explain for us, um, for the listeners, like what is the connection between yoga and prosperity? We, we touched on it a little bit at the beginning about union and the these beautiful four universal goals, but I'd love to dive deeper into that real connection between the two. Well, the most um, fundamental question, uh, most fundamental connection is, you know, uh, the way that yoga you know, supports us in being able to access our own inner resources and our deepest wisdom, you know, through all the practices that are available to us with yoga, but principally meditation, you know, I'm a teacher of meditation. And, um, you know, through our meditation practice, we, we learn how to get, you know, beyond the mind, you know, beyond the, the, the restless mind and its doubts and fears and worries. And, you know, we learn how to be anchored in our essence of being, you know, our, our spiritual essence, um, which is the true source of our wealth. And so, you know, just fundamentally, it's there in the system of yoga to teach us how to know the truth of what we are, you know, that we're not um, confined to the body or the mind, that we are the soul, the self, the spirit that um, brings life to the body and lights up the mind. And so that that's the foundation, you know, that the essence of um, a prosperous life and abundant life is knowing the truth of what we are. And then we find specific teachings in yoga philosophy about um, how really they come down to how to change our mind, how to change our thinking, you know, from lack to abundance, and then how that affects our ability to attract the resources that we need to do what we're here to do. And you speak in the book as well um, about, and I think it was comma that you said was, was pleasure, right, mm-hmm. as one of the universal. And you talk a lot about spiritual striving and how that sometimes can squash that. And I I really resonated with that because when we're, I guess, trying to reach this spiritual ideal, whatever it is that we think that is, we can neglect uh, prosperity for sure as part of that model, but also our own pleasure and joy because we get way too serious about spirituality. (laughs) Um, So if you could share a little bit about that and your philosophy around that, that would be great. Yeah, you know, that's um, such a good point, Giovanna, that, you know, 
Um, one of the traps that we can fall into, and I think, you know, so many of us do, and certainly I did, is um, when we come upon the spiritual path, you know, we're, we're, we're so excited about it. You know, I was. And so I had this idea, you know, wow, I, I want to be spiritual. I want to be a spiritual person, right? And so we start having that mindset. Um, but according to the teachings of yoga, it's completely backwards, you know, that that our, the spiritual teachings, the spiritual practices that we um, engage in are not um, to become spiritual. That's the fundamental error um, that actually yoga points to. That That's the great mistake that we all make is somehow thinking that we're going to try to be spiritual. So we do things with that mindset. But the more we do things with that mindset, the farther we get from our uh, awareness of our essential nature. Because the truth is, we are already spiritual. You know, and and even yoga goes so far to say that at the core of our being, we're actually already enlightened. So we don't do these spiritual practices in order to become uh, spiritual or even to become enlightened. Um, so then that raises the question: Well, why do it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. So well, we do it because um, it's the way that a spiritually conscious person lives. You know, we do it so that we can be in touch with the truth of our being, but not to try to create any kind of spiritual condition. So knowing that truth that that we are spiritual beings is so liberating and you know, as you uh, were pointing to, it it makes life enjoyable. You know, we can make ourselves miserable with spiritual practice, you know? Absolutely. Um, the whole point of life and, and being of spirit is, I think, to feel and find joy in your existence. <laughs> Pleasure. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, what, I, what I'm covering in, in my book is that they, these all have to do with essential spiritual teachings and principles. So, for example, um, the, the life goal you know, to enjoy life has its root in the teaching that the nature of the self, the nature of the soul is ananda or bliss. You know, when Joseph Campbell, the mythologist said, you know, follow your bliss. <laughs> he, he wasn't talking about, you know, just, um, he wasn't talking about pasta. And, and I know that that could be blissful, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he was pointing to the nature of the soul itself. So following our bliss is learning how to be connected to the innate joy of the soul itself. And so this goal of life, you know, to enjoy life, comma, to experience pleasure is, is, is really at its deep root, um, pointing us to the very nature of the soul itself. And if we don't enjoy our life, we can't find a way, you know, to find joy in life, we are actually missing our connection to our own soul. Beautifully said. I you reminded me of one of the most powerful uh, asanas or, or yoga postures I've ever been taught was to turn up the corners of my mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> because we take ourselves way too seriously. And often even in, you know, spiritual circles, uh, uh, those of us that are seekers, we just we take it too seriously. And we forget that there's all these beautiful essential parts of us, including joy and pleasure that are part of us being, you know, fully realized here. Mm, and I was this morning, I was thinking about you know, just just connecting with you and about your program and how you support women. And um, I was thinking about when I was a teenager, 
I don't know, maybe when I was turning 16 or something like that, I remember my father gave me a birthday card and I still can see it, you know, in my mind. It was just the sweetest thing that he did. And he, it, it was a card that had a quote from Rosalind Russell. Um, and on the card was a quote from her that said, joy in living is a woman's best cosmetic. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I know. And to, and to, you know, and have it come from my father. And of course, at the time, I didn't, you know, I, I thought it was a lovely card. Um, but, you know, I was kind of a um, moody teen, you know, so he was probably trying to help me turn <laughs> that around. Um, but, you know, I didn't know, um, really, until I found this spiritual path, I didn't know how to find joy in my life. Um, and that was a problem. And it actually brought me to the spiritual path, which is so common for people, you know, the number one, the number one way we come to the spiritual path is suffering. And um, for me, it was that, you know, inability to connect uh, with my own self, you know, with my own joy. Mm, yeah, what a powerful gift to receive and, and a powerful message even for the listeners. I, you know, I say this a lot, mostly in private with my clients, but of course, I've talked about it on the show is, you know, a woman or a man, anyone, a being that is in their full radiance is the most attractive force out there. Um, yeah, I just absolutely adore that. Um, I had a question for you around this, and I'm in particular, for selfish reasons, as a lot of things are on this show, I'm writing an article right now around the concept of uh, surrender versus submission and this idea of spiritual surrender. And that's been such a huge part of my journey um, and my healing, really. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about surrender and how that actually relates to true prosperity. Mm, it's it's um, <laughs> it's really essential, you know, for the ultimate thriving. I mean, there's a lot that we can do, you know, from self will. Um, there's a lot that we can create. We're really powerful beings, but ultimately, self will uh, has its limits, you know. And we just hit a wall, you know. We just get tired. <laughs> <laughs> but um, surrender is the opposite. You know, it is um, it is letting go, um, and I like to think of it as letting go into support. So sometimes, you know, people think of surrender as resignation. You know, as letting go um, in defeat. But surrender, spiritual surrender, is really letting go of the illusion of the uh, erroneous thought that we're somehow separate from the source. Um, and so when you think about prospering and the fullness of prospering, um, you can think of surrender as opening to a greater possibility. Now, you know, there's often work that has to be done around that because, um, and you, and it's really good work, you know, like, because people don't want to surrender to the divine, because they have some old ideas about maybe what the divine would have in mind for them, you know? <laughs> yes, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> and I remember, you know, kind of being scared about that. I thought, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, what God wants is what I want, right? Um, but 
but that's a that's an old error thought. It's and I and I talk about this in the book. It's kind of like you know the the wave um, saying, well, what if the you know ocean wants is not what I want? <laughs> you know, we're exactly we, we are expressions of the divine. We are you know God's expression in the world. So you know what that divine reality wants is what we want. You know, in our heart of hearts, and we understand that we're not separate from that. So that's really at the heart of the practice of surrender is, is letting go of the idea that we're actually on our own. I, it makes me think of a quote that I adore, uh, two of them really. One is, um, you know, from Oprah uh, that she said, you know, God or, or spirit has a bigger plan for you than even you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that puts us in the place of alignment where, you know, I love the analogy or the metaphor you used about the wave in the ocean. And the other big piece of that for me and takeaway is a reminder of, you know, one of the foundational principle of A Course in Miracles, which is a universal principle that you just paraphrased, which is, you know, we think we have many problems, but we really only have one. And that is the belief in our separation from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Yeah. It's beautifully said. And, and you know, life... Um, as Paramahansa Yogananda, who is in my uh, lineage and my tradition, um, said, you know, the, the, this side of the transcendental field, life is ever new joy. And so, you know, with uh, spiritual surrender, we can experience life, I think, more as a great adventure. And one of the things I have become aware of is that when, when we're experiencing life as a burden, um, that's an indication that it's it's time to let go, you know, of that yes. uh, way of holding <laughs> holding our life. So I kind of call that the back door into surrender because people often don't know is that you know like well how do I surrender how do I do it, you know and and you can't really do surrender it's because it's allowing it's it's letting go. So I just say well you know if if this part of your life feels like a burden. If, you, if you, your life is a burden, imagine what it would be like to let that go. You know, what it, would it be like to let that go? And that's a surrender practice. So much wisdom. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. I can't believe we're already <laughs> just over 30 minutes. Um, for everyone listening, please go and get this book. Again, it's called The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. And you can get it on Amazon. Ellen, I am just forever grateful for this conversation. I, I feel even more enlightened just having had this beautiful wisdom coming from you. Thank you so much for your time and for the work that you do and for being on the show. Well, thank you, Giovanni. It's really been a delight and I'm, I really appreciate your spirit, your energy and your um, living your Dharma and supporting people the way that you do in the world. Um, thank you so much. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 